In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Please be seated. This is the second Sunday after Pentecost, and as we looked at the lectionary, you'll remember that we are starting now in uh, chapter 9 of Matthew's Gospel, so quite a bit has happened. What I'd like to commend to you is that you read the Gospel of Matthew uh, in at least one or maybe two sittings. You can read the whole gospel over two days. Uh, It's not that long. But if you can read it just in one day, that would be beneficial. Because uh, you'll see when you read it uh, like that all the way through that you're going to notice some of the contours and some of the themes of Matthew's gospel in a way that you might miss if you uh, just walk with us over these several months. So I commend to you to read that gospel all the way through. In chapter 9, we see that the apostles uh, have already been called. He's already chosen the 12. And now they're at a stage of discipleship, a new stage of discipleship. You'll remember that the disciples are first told, come and see. That's the first stage in discipleship. Come and see where I am staying. Come and see what I'm doing. Then he invites them to participate with him. He says, come and do. And so we read that they baptize with him, that they participate in the feeding of the 5,000. They've got a role to play. So he says, come and see. Then he says, come and do. Then the next stage in discipleship is go and do. Right? That's the stage that we're at now. So we've seen come and see, come and do, and now it's go and do. Then they'll come back and they'll report to him. And then he'll continue that go and do and come back until at the end of the gospel where he says go and you're not coming back, right? The Holy Spirit will be with you always until the end of the age. We just read that, didn't we? Uh, That was at the end of the gospel. So this is the cycle of discipleship that they're in. It's this continuing cycle that we all experience all of our lives and really for all of eternity. We're continuing to develop and grow as disciples, right? And so in this portion of the gospel, when he calls them, he's calling them to understand what is it that's going to give them the the impulse, what is it that's going to give them the reason for going out and doing these things. And the reason that we see in Matthew's gospel, if you look in uh, page 3 there in verse 36, Jesus has compassion. That's the key word there, he has compassion. He feels out of love for the people that need a shepherd, for the people that need to know about the kingdom of God. He has this gut love for the people. And it's that gut love, that gut compassion that motivates Jesus and that he's saying should motivate us. All that we do in discipleship has to be motivated out of compassion. If we're doing it for any other reason, our reasons are going to be suspect, right? We go and we serve out of a compassion, a love for the people that are going to hear about the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is how that we live with God, right? He designed us, He built us to live in Eden and paradise. That's why we were made, to live in paradise with God. He wants to live with us. He wants to dwell with us. He wants to be in paradise with us. And that's what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is paradise. It's the Garden of Eden. It's where He wants to dwell with us, where we'll be one-to-one, face-to-face with Him, never alone, never by ourselves, always with Him, always dwelling with Him in His kingdom. 
And so that's the message that's being sent out, that God wants to dwell with you in paradise. It's the message that God's had from Genesis, when He puts us in the garden, all the way to the Lamb's high feast in Revelation, where He gathers all nations into paradise with Him. It's the theme of all of Scripture. And we see it here again, replayed in Exodus, where the Lord says why it is that He brought them out of Egypt. He didn't bring them out of Egypt for some socio-political reason. He didn't bring them out for any economic reason. He didn't bring them out for any other reason, but that He says, I want you to be my people. I bore you on eagle's wings and I brought you. Where does He say He brought them? To Himself. Right? If you look here in Exodus, I brought you on eagle's wings to myself. There's no latitude or longitude. This isn't about a place on a map. God's saying, I'm bringing you to me. That's the kingdom of God. So he's bringing them to himself. And he's saying, he's saying that he wants them as himself to be a holy nation... And a nation of priests. Right? What does that mean? A holy nation means people who are committed to the righteousness of God. The right ways of God. So we're committed to righteousness. And then when we see people doing unrighteousness, that's when we say, Oh, I have compassion on that person who's lost. Right? A sheep without a shepherd, they're going off the path. They're going off where there's just dirt. They're going to suffer. I have compassion. I want to bring them back to that green shepherd, right? To that green pasture. That's to be a holy nation. And a kingdom of priests, what are priests supposed to do? Priests are supposed to set things aside for God's use, right? We bless wine, we bless water, we bless uh, oil. And all of us are priests, right? We're a priesthood of all believers. So mothers and fathers bless their children, right? Children bless each other. They bless their food before they use it, right? We all are blessing, right? All the time. We're saying, Lord, let my lunch be according to your will for, for your purposes, right? We're all that nation of priests that he has brought together to himself. And you'll notice that the whole thing hinges upon a very complex theological concept. So pay attention now. This is a very important and delicate theological concept. You'll see the word uh, right here uh, on the front page, verse 5. That word is if. If. If you will, now it gets more complex here. Obey my voice and keep my covenant. See how complex this gets? If you listen to my voice, obey my voice and keep my covenant. That's the nation's part in all of this. We've got another very complex word for this. Listening and obeying and that is faith. This is the definition of faith. To obey His voice and to keep His covenant. That's what faith is. And He says, if we have faith, then we become a holy nation dwelling with God. So we're always listening for God's voice and then we're being obedient when we hear what He has to say. This is why most of us don't pray, right? I don't pray because I don't really want to hear what God wants me to do because I don't want to go and do it. I want to go do what I want to do, right? That's what keeps us from praying. Because we'd rather just do our own thing. 
But if we want the things of God, we listen and we obey and we have faith. St. Paul says in his letter from Romans that faith produces something really wonderful. Now we have lots of ifs. There are all these if-thens, right? All these if-then relationships. So the first one is if we have faith, right, then we'll get this other really wonderful promise that makes you wonder why we don't just pack them in, right? Which is a, a really wonderful popular thing. Suffering. Huh? Isn't that great? That's what St. Paul promises. If you obey his voice and you do what he wants you to do, if you have faith, you will suffer. I can't believe everybody didn't just jump up when that was read a few minutes ago. Yay, suffering. Right? And if we suffer because we've done what God tells us to do, not because we've done wrong, right? If we suffer because we've been obedient, then we'll produce endurance. What's endurance? Endurance is not quitting, right? I failed, I fell down, and I didn't give up. I get back up. That's endurance, right? Not quitting. He says, if you suffer, then you'll get endurance. If you have endurance, you'll have character. What's character? Character is, I know who I am. I know my character in this story, right? If you're in drama, if you're in theater, right, and you're in a play, you've got to learn your what? Your character. You've got to know who am I, right? What motivates me? God is saying, if you have faith and you suffer, you'll have endurance and then you'll have character. You know what part you have to play in this drama that we call creation. He says, you'll know who you are. You'll know what your job is. You'll know your purpose and your meaning in life. You'll have character. And if you've got character, you know who you are and what you're supposed to do. You'll have hope. Hope is essential, right? We've got to have hope. If we don't have hope, we're what? Hopeless, which means we what? We give up. We quit. But if we know who we are and what we're doing, we have hope. And hope is desire for the things of God. I hope, I hope these people get saved. I hope these people turn to the Lord. I hope these sheep wandering off come back under God's will, right? To have hope, that compassion is wrapped up in that hope, right? To desire those good things for God to bring the people back to Himself. And hope, he says, does not put us to shame. In other words, hope is the cure for shame. Now that's good news. Guilt is a great thing. Guilt is good. If I steal your cookies, I should feel bad for it. Right? If I don't feel bad, if I don't feel guilty, there's something wrong with me. Right? If I say a bad word, or I get pushy or mean like I can do, right? I should feel guilty. And do what? Try to make amends. Guilt is essential for the righteousness of God because we have to do what's wrong and then feel guilty about it. Shame, however, is not of God. Shame is something that somebody puts on us, right? You're lazy, you're stupid, you're not good enough. That's shame. Shame is what somebody puts on us. You're not good enough. Right? And as Christians, we can just say, I know. You're right. 
We say it every Sunday. Lord, we are not worthy. Right? We know that we're not worthy. There's no illusion. We don't come here thinking we're worthy. We know that we're not worthy and that's why we come. And the incredible thing is that God calls tax collectors and traitors like you and me. Isn't that amazing? That He calls us to participate. And He says that He will give us that love, that love that the Holy Spirit pours into our hearts. The Holy Spirit pours love into our hearts. Why? Why would he call a bunch of traitors and tax collectors like you and me? The world thinks God should just be the, the Wizard of Oz. Ask and it will be granted, right? Some great magician, somebody who just gives me what I want. Instead, the Lord's saying, come and see, come and do, go and do. Because he loves us so much, he wants to share... He wants to share His character with us. He wants to share His character with us. He loves us so much. He wants to do this all with us. He wants to be with us. Because of His love for us. And He has invited each one of us to share, to participate, to come to God to be a holy people. To be a priesthood of all believers. And to share that love that we have experienced in Him. May we know and share that love this day and forevermore.